Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Benchtown TV, and we are back with part two of our awesome chat with Dexter Newblood, executive producer and director Marco Siega. In this episode, we discuss the episode nine kill room with Matt Daddy Kurt going back in time to show an old school Dexter kill with Wiggles, the M99 versus ketamine debate, Jennifer Carpenter's return to the show, John Lithgow's cameo, plus much, much more. We hope you all enjoy. We watched episode nine together, me and Jimmy with our dad, and we were kind of on like a hook couch and I was kind of in front of them. So the amount of times we were like, <gasps> like looking at each other with <laughs> these like in sync, just like, oh, shit, type yep. moments. I mean, if I'm sure in episode 10, we would have been doing the same thing, but I didn't right. watch with him. But I love, I love that Dexter brings families together. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, I do still want to talk about episode nine really quick, but it was funny. We posted on our Benstown account the uh, it's a Thanksgiving meme that someone made with Dexter saying there's always room for for you at the table and it's him cutting turkey. But it's, you know, obviously talking about at the table. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I definitely want to talk about the episode nine really quick. I mean, we don't want to keep you forever. I have a million things I could talk to you about. But this I'm happy, man. It's uh, cathartic for me because I I just been. reading negative tweets all day. (laughs) Right. Well, this episode nine, you know, the scene with Harrison, Dexter, and Matt, Daddy, Kurt, obviously, like you said, it's written on the script. But the way it comes off, the way you get the reactions from Harrison and Dexter, the way he says things, they're coming from you. So I just would love to hear your thought process because we broke that down like crazy because yeah. we're waiting to see, you know, anytime something happened, Dexter says this. I mean, Kathleen, like, all right, what's Harrison's face doing? Is he is he weirded out yet or is he OK with it? What's going on? You know, curtain curtain balance. Right. And Kurt and Dexter having their conversation where Dexter's pretty much explaining himself to Kurt almost. And it's it's panning over to Harrison. And we're like, all right. And what's he thinking about right now? So what was your thought process having, you know, this whole scene to direct? Well, I approach every scene with, uh, first of all, like who's point of view am I in? Traditionally in kill room scenes, when I've done them in the past, it's always been, we're in Dexter's point of view. We're never with the, the bad guy, mm-hmm. uh, that, that experience. Here, I wanted to be in Harrison's point of view because he's the one who's being taught. He's the one Dexter's letting in. Oddly enough, I don't know I don't know how many times Dexter's had somebody in the kill room, but I know I did it the first time around with Jimmy Smith's. Yes, and we talked um, about that too. Yep, and it was the same thing. I remember being really clear with the guys because uh, I I usually want to shoot whoever's point of view I need it to be. I, I shoot that first. I want to understand like what it is that they're thinking, what it is they're processing, and then let people play off that. So I, with this, it was a little tricky because Harrison didn't have a lot of active things to do. Exactly. So, it's all so facial I, expressions or lack of facial expressions at times. Yeah. So I just started with, um, you know what? Look, there's a, there's a scene before we get to, to Clancy, but specifically when he comes to, I shot Clancy first on the table and we talked about how that performance, you evolves and Clancy would do something and I would give him a note or he would do something. And it surprised me because it's hard. You're wrapped up. I'm like, how does he play that moment where he says pretty good, huh? Look at them. Yeah. It was all me. Like it's all me. Mm -hmm. And um, it's tricky. Those are tricky moments because they, 
they read one way and you kind of imagine it and then it comes to life and it's you're walking a very fine line of of how the audience would perceive it but i think kurt recognized prior to being on the table you know that uh first of all he knew dexter had killed his son mm-hmm. he doesn't know dexter's a serial killer but he knows dexter's killed and it's like game recognizes game right mm-hmm. he, like when he finally has that moment, he looks at Dexter. He doesn't look at Harrison. Uh, and if you look back, just watch that because he's talking to Dexter. And it isn't until he realizes that Dexter has not told Harrison about Matt. And, yeah. About Matt. Great moment. That, that's when he wants to look at Harrison for the first time. So while we're doing all these things, I'm always just paying attention because the other actors are there. Sometimes they're off camera, but they're performing. They're performing for their scene partners. And it's my first opportunity sometimes to kind of notice, like, what are they doing? What do I want them to be doing that might be different? There's no steadfast rule, but that's certainly my process is to just pay attention and then to cover myself, to get options. Because I can tell you, and I'm sure if you ask my peers who direct these kinds of shows, you get into the editing room, inevitably, you're going to want to change something. You're going to want to make something feel more tense or you're going to want to make it feel funnier. So I will often say, okay, let's now try one where we do this, mm-hmm. right? Where we play it this way. With Harrison in particular, there was not a lot of wiggle room. Um, I knew we were going to get to the moment where, first of all, I wanted to really, I think I was successful in building real suspense. Like, mm. what is he going to do? Oh, yes. Yep. Um, and that's a deliberate thing. You're, you're trying to manipulate the, um, the audience, not in a bad way, but just in terms of how they are, going, mm. what the ride is. Um, and it's going to come out of cutting to something and thinking you're going to, the audience feeling like they're going to show me something's going to happen. Let it sit for a moment. Then nothing happens. So, so much of it is just talking to Jack um, or not even, I don't even have to give him a ton of direction at these kind of things. They try it. They look at things a certain way. He'll smirk in one take, mm-hmm. he won't smirk in another take. Um, he'll be horrified in the take. And then in another take, he'll be stoic. And sometimes I borrow from all those things sure. when we're cutting. But um, I will say in order for the scene to, to really honor the scene and the material, we took our time to the credit of everyone involved to make the money decisions, which is not me. Um, I was never rushed. I said, I need to do this. I need this much time. And uh, by the way, I'm going to go longer than I said I was going to go. Mm-hmm. I'm very focused and myopic. And all I know is I need what I need. And um, when you do episodic TV, sometimes it's just like, we don't care. We're moving on. Right. Yeah. Sure. With this particular scene, I think the success comes from, I wasn't rushed. And if I needed to try something, I had the luxury of trying it. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a rule, you know, in filmmaking, like there's a, there's a correct side of the line to keep things on and usually you do your master and then you do your close-ups. And that means if Dexter's looking left to right, Kurt has to be looking right to left. It's so that the audience isn't confused, right? Right, right. And you shoot a master. With that scene, 
I shot multiple masters and I crossed the line because I was like, now I want to try this. Yeah. Now I want to try that. And uh, there were a couple of firsts in that scene. We've never seen Dexter chop up a body. Yes, I wanted to talk about that. Yes. Yes. Uh, and and then it was like, how much do I show? Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, uh, Kurt is unwrapped. So do I go for the full Monty, you know, like a, a naked Kurt on the table? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, Clancy would have done. You right. Know, we're, making, we're making a movie and, and actors do what they need to do. But it, it was like, to me, it was like distracting. I'm going to give you just enough to go, ah, I don't want to see that. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Um, and, it, and it was it. And I remember when we were shooting that, it, we were all aware that it was the first time we'd experience it. And Michael even said, is that all you're going to get of this? And I said, that's all we need, man. I, I don't need to show more than this little shoulder bit. And yeah. then- And part of his face. Angle, like you see the bottom yeah. of his face and that was it. I was like- Yeah. yeah. And I said, in the same angle, once you're- it's going to be jump cutty. And once, um, once you finish sawing, I'm just going to tell you to reset and you're going to go over to the bottom of the table and you're going to pick up the trash bag and you can grab that leg because we had body parts. Sure. And, <laughs> and, and we went through, like he grabbed a, a thigh and a leg and a foot. And, um, and then, you know, in the editing room, I just kind of chose what I thought worked best. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff is just, the process is really, you, you have to do the work on the page and the scene work and understand what it is you want the audience to feel. Mm-hmm. And then you got to be really deliberate about collecting those moments and giving the actors the opportunity to, um, to show you what they innately want to do. I don't bully them into do it this way, do it that way. I, I think the best directors who work with the best actors give adjustments. I'm there to protect them. I'm I'm not there to tell them how to do it and exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. I can tell them, I can tell them that, you know, here's how I want to tell the story. And I think uh, this is going to be, this moment is symbolic of this, or it's a poetic moment, or, you know, I can get into that, but ultimately I'm really proud of that scene, how it worked out. But, you know, I, the reason I thought you were talking about the Christmas scene is uh, that was tricky. Like on the page, it reads one way and then it's like, OK, now Kurt shows up and here they are. Stand <laughs> and it, But it was great, too, because you see Harrison actually kind of like freak out a little bit. Dexter keeps his composure because he's Dexter and he knows the deal. Yeah. Harrison's very new to this. So he kind of. But they're not know. really covering. Right. I mean, right. Angela, right. And that's that great moment with Audrey. She's like, that was weird, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Like, yeah. 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 Because it is weird. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we didn't treat it with that sort of like deliberate reality where it's like they have to acknowledge that there's something yeah. strange happening. Angela doesn't care. She's like, yeah, she's, she's like on the precipice of like figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, yeah, go ahead. You guys can go. She's already also, you know, arrested Kurt and that didn't go well. There's just so much happening in that scene. Those are scenes I lose sleep over. At the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a testament to the collective. Everybody shows up and does what they need to do to make it work. It was an amazing episode. I mean, you start with the wiggle stuff, right? I mean, the going back and shooting old Dexter, showing an old kill and First of all, visually, we loved the kill set, like all the 
I don't know what anything's called, but him being on the slide and the yeah. wheel thing in the air. I mean, I was like a kid in a candy shop visually there. I mean, the whole series really with the snow I was obsessed with. I mean, so warm and fuzzy in the snow Christmas time watching him kill people. Right. But I love, um, I love but, that episode nine. You give the audience a gift of like, oh, this is what it was like. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go back to Miami, put the that kill shirt good. on the black gloves and. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Incredible. And I think that watching him chop that body, we are kind of in Harrison's POV, right? Because you're like, there's so many things that happen in that scene that Harrison could lose his mind at. And I think you're just waiting for him to do it, especially when Kurtz tells him about how he killed Matt. And he goes, that's your code. That's why you, you think it's okay to kill type deal. And I just like each time watching him chop the blood going to his shoes slowly. You're just like, is he about to just like spontaneously combust? Like what's about to happen? But it was perfect. And I think even him running outside, taking his breather, we thought Angela was going to be waiting there. We were like the whole time you're holding your breath. It was so well done. And I mean, it's so nice to hear how much care is taken because it's worth it. I was obsessing over that episode. That's an amazing episode. Well, thank you. And and look, it's, it's not just me, the writers, yeah, I get defensive when people bag on anybody that I know really puts their heart and soul into something. And you said it earlier uh, that we spent a year of our lives away from our families. Mm-hmm. That's hard. I have three kids. You know, yeah. it's like that. It's hard. Nobody wants that. But it's because we love what we're doing. And like, there's not a single night that you're not 24 seven. So I really appreciate that this sort of passion and response. I even appreciate the negative ones because I understand they care. Yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just, um, you know, just don't be mean. People. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, we've had so many interviews, whether it's the stars, of the shows, producers, and it's unbelievable when you hear them say, you know, I turned off Twitter or I, you know, stopped going on Instagram because Specifically, we were talking about the magicians, and I think it was Rick, Kathleen, right? Where he's like, one of the finales, I did this, and everyone says, you're a piece of shit. I hate you. Go die. So I turned off Twitter (laughs) for a little bit. And it's like, come on. It's not the person doing it. You got to understand. It's TV. Like, come on. But yeah, I mean, don't want to beat a dead horse with this this scene from episode nine. But I love how you were saying the deliberate word, because I was saying this in our podcast review of episode nine, where once that scene happened, in my own head, the writing was on the walls for Dexter's him either dying, getting caught, whatever. I did not have in my head at all a situation where he was going to ride off into the sunset in the first series. You know, in the first eight seasons, it had to be deliberate for however long it needs to be deliberate that Dexter is a serial killer, but he is your protagonist. So you can't yeah. disturb or freak out or make your audience squeamish on what he's actually doing. So I love how you're telling us. This is the first time, really, that we're seeing him chop up a body. And for someone who loves Dexter, I see the scene where you're actually showing part of Clancy's face and then he's cutting in to the arm. And then you kind of have like Harrison in the background, too. And I'm going this. I'm disturbed here. Like, I feel like finally I'm like, all right, Dexter's my boy, quote unquote. But (laughs) he is who he is and he has to eventually either get caught or or die. And it's just it is what it is like. <laughs> this is how we have to end this show, because he's, you know, he's a serial killer who chops up bodies and throws them in the ocean. 
Yeah. Someone is desensitized who can do that. And I mean, watching Angela figure it out and know that there's hundreds of bodies at the bottom of she's been sleeping with this guy and loving this guy. And he's capable of that is it's great to see it through someone else's POV and these like fresh characters, because, of course, we're like defensive of them. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, this isn't great like julia jones as angela was really amazing for me especially in the finale i mean when she comes up from the bunker and she's just yelling like get the fbi get these people i mean that's that's amazing acting she crushed it for me this season i thought she was incredible such a good act i think we were incredibly blessed with uh all of our new cast everyone Mm -hmm. did a great job you know some parts are small but you know, it's the sum of all the parts, right? Everyone contributed to what the show needed to be. It was great. She was amazing. Big time. Yeah, she she was. And I, I have a couple little things I want to talk about if we have some time. Definitely, number one, I had so many on the Reddit, Instagram, ask about this ketamine thing. And you said there's an answer. So if you could give it to us, that'd be great. The ketamine versus the M99 thing where everyone's saying it's different. Absolutely. So it is different. Um if we would have replaced M99, take the ketamine out of this season and imagine that we had the same scenes, but the, it was called M99, right? Mm. Fans would have been like, me. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, it, okay, that's a little convenient that it, they have that there, right? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what he used before. But if you Google M99 and ketamine, like in real life, and I forget what the word for M99 is. You could probably, like, if somebody's on a computer, you can yeah, look, you it, can up look right it up in now. a second. Yeah, I'll do it right uh, now. So go ahead. There's a word. It's like it ends in, like ketamine, ends in eme. Etorphine. Yeah. There you go. Etorphine and ketamine. And in toxicology reports, they're the two most misdiagnosed drugs. Like people constantly confusing the two of them in real life, right? Mm-hmm. So in our story, um, when Angela Googles, she's just putting pieces together. Remember the information she has. She's like Bay Harbor Butcher, Miami, the wheel marks, and, and now ketamine. So she Googles ketamine and um, Bay Harbor Butcher or Miami homicide. I forget what it Right, exactly. right, right. But whatever she put up, the answer was not the Bay Harbor Butcher just used ketamine. That, that's not what the answer was. That would have been an oversight. Right, right. Read, blow up the screen, right? What it is, is when you Google something and you put in two words like uh, Miami homicide and ketamine, it's going to give you all the things where those two words show up. Right, the relevant results. And yeah. 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 And in the Bay Harbor Butcher, in one of the stories, and I think we even went out of our way to say like it, what she looks at is is, uh, the equivalent of like a, a, a fan site. It's people who are sleuthing and trying to figure out right. that they are. It was a big mystery. So what she sees in the Google search is that there are people who it was, could have been ketamine. It could have been ketamine in, in their system. Mm-hmm. It wasn't conclusive. Right, 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 right. right. Conclusive evidence for her is going to be Batista, right? At the end, she's like, he's going to come up here. He's going to, and he's like, I'm going to bring everything I have. And they're going to put it all together. This was just another thing. Like, this is just too close. Right. So, yeah, look, could we have called it M99? Sure. I I think that would have been um, just like a little eye rolling, you know? Totally agree. Yep. So 
I, I don't mind the debate. I just, you know, it's like when people just jump to, they fucked up. They're stupid. Yeah. Like, and yeah. you can't get online and start defending yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just. It'll just go on forever. Like, yeah. So, but I can sleep at night. Like when it came up, I was like, okay, they'll figure it out. People, you know, and if anyone really cares when we talk about it, it'll come out and then they either understand it or they don't. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. But as I said in the beginning of this interview, there is a reason for everything. And we did think about everything. So whether or not our explanations kind of satisfy people, I can't speak to that. But I, I can say with conviction that there's a reason why things happened the way they did. Yeah, well, I'm active as Benchtown on these fan groups, and I will definitely... I mean, every, a lot of people are excited to hear this interview, and they're going to be happy to hear that response because it was one that I did see a lot on there, and me and Kathleen really didn't bring it up. I mean, it was one of those no, ones we that we... Not. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really... I mean, I, I saw it on the fan things, but I really... Again, like you said, I didn't really see it mattering. It was more to me like... You know, here's another piece of the puzzle. Just like when Molly goes, that's weird. Do you think you can hear these guys talking at the bar from this spot we're sitting at right now? You know, that's a little weird. Is Jim weird? Like, you know, like she's, you know, it's not like saying like Jim's weird. Is he a killer? You know, (laughs) I'll point out things that, you know, I haven't seen. Maybe people have mentioned it, but like um, Molly, there's no way that she did not come across uh, Dexter Morgan. Right, right. There just isn't. And um, she wrote about Rita, a victim, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I'm sure somewhere in the reality of the Dexter universe, outside of what aired, right? If we're living in that in that space, mm-hmm. uh, there would have been, you know, the the wife of a Miami Metro police blood splatter analysis. Right, right, right. Guy uh, was murdered by. Like not the Bay Harbor Butcher. I'm sorry. Trinity uh, Killer. Yeah. Trinity yeah. Killer. I'm sorry. Like she would have come across Dexter uh, in that story. Not wow, in the Bay I didn't even think of that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, we because we see specifically how phenomenal Rita. it is to have Harrison oh. looking on the podcast app and seeing a picture of Trinity and a picture of his own mother. And then, Correct. you know, and being like, whoa. And then I was actually sitting there. Me and Kathleen talked about it. We we're like. If Molly, you know, obviously she dies, but if she was in this investigation more with Angela, she could have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. All right. We have yeah. Trinity. We have this Harrison kid. We have Rita. You know, like she could have a reveal of her being like, is this Harrison the same Harrison I was just talking about as a baby? Like that would have been yeah. a crazy thing to have happen on screen. But again, it it's not how the story goes, you know, well, but it would have it happened in in the in the reality of their universe had Molly not been killed. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that would have, they would have gotten there, but those are, it's part of the, the, the seeds that you plant so that people are leading in and saying, I got to see what happens here. You know, mm-hmm. how is that going to play out when Molly was doing the podcast, writing it and, and performing it back in her little investigative apartment, wherever she came from, she would have done research and for sure at least come across, oh, yeah. you know, Dexter Morgan. I was okay with that. Like, this is how deep I go, right? Because I'm looking at it going, is this a problem? Like, do we have to address it? And, and then I'm like, you know what? It's okay. You know how many times I've, I've looked at things and read articles? If I ran into somebody under a di- different name in a different environment, 
there's a good 10 years later or five yeah, years later, yeah, right. there's a good chance I would not connect the dots. Right, 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 right. 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 But, but, but you could dissect it down to how did she put a picture of Rita in there and a picture of Trinity in there and not had at least been exposed Mm-hmm. to Morgan, right? Yeah. So, um, but again, nobody's really picking up on that yep. because yeah. you're, on, yep. you're on the journey, right? You're totally on so, the journey, yeah. I mean, we and dissect been, and we didn't say that. I mean, we yeah. said yeah, that she, it would have been cool, but we didn't say anything about why didn't she recognize him because you would see a picture and especially with the circumstances where Dexter, not that we know fully what the news is going to report to someone who's not in Miami Metro, but Dexter came out of that situation sketchy for a start remember because he comes out of her dying basically saying i killed her you know basically saying it's my fault because he's like kind of shocked and everyone's going whoa stop what you're saying like all of her friends in miami are saying well stop what you're saying here like you didn't do it but he's saying like i killed her i killed her and you know why didn't you call right away and why are you so kind of casual you say uh, i'm dexter morgan my wife has been murdered you know but you don't know what what the news reports and you know this and that but yeah she it would have been cool to have a situation where she kind of was connecting the dots but like you said she was killed off and the chance wasn't there yeah and molly I, was I just so fun she was and i but i do think that that's what subconsciously it's part of the suspense right you are on this ride and you're thinking in the back of your mind everything is like okay how's this gonna play out is molly gonna sit down with angela you know uh, you may not be saying it out loud but i do feel like watching these shows you're, you're experiencing all these little pieces. They all matter. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, and we do put a lot of thought. Again, I, I get defensive for the writers when I hear people say it's lazy and rushed and, and they're not, you know, like how could they make that mistake? Like, sure, there's always flaws, but, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of detail that goes in to putting these things together. Yeah, and speaking of really quick Trinity... Let's really quick talk about John Lithgow having a nice cameo, getting to be in Harrison's memory. Was there any other scenes that were filmed with him, if you're even allowed to tell us? Because I I know that it kind of slipped. I'm pretty sure John Lithgow said in an interview that he was on set with Dexter and everyone knew he was going to be in it. And somewhere, whether it was him or IMDb, they said two episodes. And we really only got one, I think, unless there was if they want to count like his leg in a flashback or something. But um, was there anything else with him? No, no, no. That was uh, it's funny. No, no. What you saw was all he came and did. And um, Mm -hmm. we were not sure we would get him to come and do just that. Um, It's COVID. We had to fly him to Massachusetts. And he's a busy man in big shows and movies. I mean, sure. Uh, it was like, can you fly to Massachusetts, quarantine, come on set for an hour, take your clothes off, step out of the tub. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. So there, uh, there, little one. <laughs> yeah, but that's the kind of man he is. Like, he was like the show. I mean, he won an Emmy for the show. And he was so good. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and he understands, you know, as a storyteller, he understands the importance of these little things. I think what happened was it was never our intention to make it a thing mm-hmm. like, but this is the internet people yeah. take it and run with it like john lithgow is going to make an appearance and then at that right. point it's like let them think what they want to think uh yeah i'm not gonna now they're gonna watch just, and wait it, for it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and then they're like that was it and i'm like yeah we never promised anything yeah i 
I'd be curious to hear where that two episode came from because it, it certainly didn't come internally from us. Yeah, no, uh, I, I it was it was either maybe he, you know, I don't remember because I all I remember is saying flipped, it on the podcast, saying no, he I, I an interview. heard. Yeah, no, what he did was he was giving an interview and he accidentally was like, oh, I was just in Massachusetts and, you know, on the set of Dexter. Yeah, right. And okay. That's all he said. And yeah. Like, bing, bing. And somewhere, it, if, if somebody made it two episodes or not. I don't yeah, know. it but, could have been IMDb. And, I, and we work on rumors just for our theories. So it, <laughs> I remember just saying, you know, I'm pretty sure I read two episodes, so we're going to get them again. Like, let's do it. But another thing with Trinity, like going back to the episode nine, it was a big part of that scene where Dexter says to Harrison as he's revealing, yes, I kill people that I killed Trinity. So don't worry about it. You know, he killed your he mom. And I got, yes, he lied. Exactly. He That's lied. why I was big. And that whole scene from there on is exactly when I was like, all right, the writing's on the wall. It's, it's, you know, it's disturbing wow. you in certain ways. It's freaking you out. You're seeing Harrison's point of view, but Dexter straight up lies to his son about the situation and that's where I'm like, all right, I think the turn's happening. Like, I think he's on his way out. Yeah. Well, that, again, I, I commend you on your observations because I think a lot of casual viewers don't catch those subtleties. But we're aware of the lie. I'm mm -hmm. aware of what the lie means, big picture wise. Right. Um, and I do think that even for the casual viewer, if you're watching the series and you know the series, it's going to sit in there somewhere, right? You know, because and that was all part of servicing the end, um, and, and how we get there. Mm -hmm. But you're calling it out in a very real way, and and yeah, totally deliberate. He and doesn't tell Harrison the truth there, he says he killed Trinity because of what he did to his mother, and that's yes. not true, not true at all. Because Trinity yeah. went after his mother, and it's similar with Clancy, Matt Daddy. You know, it's you take care of him, you put him on your table, and you target him that is why he went after the house and burn it down and this and that even though technically also you know matt is also the situation that was the you know the domino effect as well it's you who does it it's the causation that makes all of this happen to harrison or yourself or your wife or deb and that's why it's perfect that right before or as the kill shots happening, you see the flashes of Rita, Dokes, yeah. LaGuardia, Deb, everything that he's affected, not necessarily killing them himself, but him being him is what made this happen to all the people that he loves. Yeah, these are the lives you lives you've ruined. Right. Exactly. Or destroyed <laughs> or yeah. I'm still waiting for Hannah McKay to show up. Kathleen wanted Hannah so bad. She wanted the, <laughs> the red herring that she he, she was like. Because in the in the beginning, we were like, OK, is Harrison lying about everything? Like, does he know more than he's letting on? It was before we started to get more about Harrison and Kathleen really wanted Hannah to be alive. <laughs> I just love her. I just love her so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I, I like you, as I was saying, when I was reading the scripts, um, I was I thought I was going to get to turn a page and find out he killed her. Yeah, well, we said that too. Yep, we yeah. said that too. It's a totally valid, you know, assumption. And when I read those things, I'm like, oh yeah, I get that. Totally, mm -hmm. I, I I can feel that. That's how I felt when I was reading it. Yeah. And look, to be really honest, I've said this in other interviews. Um, I left after season four. I, yes. I left after, and uh, I didn't watch the rest of the seasons. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I had to go back 
and and watch. I knew exactly what had happened, mm-hmm. but I wasn't as invested in some of these other characters as uh, people when they talk about them. I didn't feel because I knew where our story was going. It wasn't like I I felt like I was missing a piece in order to tell the story, mm-hmm. and I could always go back and and watch things. But I didn't have that emotional connection to Hannah. But I did think, oh, he's lying. You yeah. know, when I first read mm-hmm. that, I was like, oh, he's lying. This is great. Uh, right. we, here's what we're going to find out. And I was wrong um, because, you know, unless there's some reimagination of the of a reboot, not a reboot, but a, a spinoff. And again, all could happen, but nothing that I'm aware yeah. of. Sure. It, do you do you, you, you find out somewhere in that world that he 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 lied and he actually killed her and he lives with that guilt? You know, who, who knows? One of the things that we at first were wondering if it was an inconsistency or maybe something that was missed was, you know, we know Dexter and he investigates everything. He's meticulous. Would he have looked into if Hannah actually died? But at the same time, they're on the run and they're in Argentina and who knows if it's going to be reported anyway. So we kind of let that one go that we were just like, yeah, it probably wouldn't matter anyway, because how would he actually find it from where he's at? Yeah, I think he could have found it or he could have tracked that down somehow. But Dexter was living, when we meet him at the top of this season, in this, its own thing. Right. He's, such, he's living such a monastic lifestyle. He's alone. He's abstaining. He has a ritual that he needs to do uh, in order to maintain that. He's not looking to slip backwards. He, he's right. made a decision, Right. He's left his son. Uh, I don't think he's investigating anything. I think he's doing his best to stay clean, stay mm-hmm. sober. Exactly. Stay focused. And um, that part I I was fine with. Look, Harrison finding Dexter on Instagram, you know, with a bowling. There's a great thing. picture there, finding that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but there's always, uh, there's that, right? Like, it's like, oh, come on. Nobody else found him and he did. But you're on the ride, man. Like, yeah. this is, we're yeah. launching into a story. So again, you can poke holes in anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I said, I just said, you know, maybe we find out if there's another reality where he killed Hannah, but we could also discover that, oh, I lied about that. You know, mm-hmm. I told my dad that she died of cancer and she didn't. Yeah, she and I just left. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Right. I think the interesting part of all of that and whether or not Hannah showed up or not, I just like love her. So I didn't really care. And I did not think it was plausible. I just every episode, I like to say an insane theory that won't ever stick. But just to see, like, what is Harrison about? He's so he's such a mystery in the beginning. And you're like, what is his past? You know, he did something to that guy at the truck stop. He snapped the guy's arm. He went straight for the blade. He carries the blade around because he fantasized about killing Trinity. The minute he says something, you're like, all right, I don't believe that. Like, show me an obit. But even if you show him an obit, Dex has an obit. So it's like, I don't know. So it's just all the fun of guessing where Harrison's coming from and what he's actually going to be, what his intentions are. He could have been so bad like he was a sweetheart and jack played him so good i mean he was a sweetheart who was screwed up inside and wanted a relationship with his dad he wanted answers he wanted so many things he ended up being way sweeter and not like dex in the way where he's a complete sociopath you know his anger came from somewhere else i i don't know i just um yeah i don't know i i would 
I would like to see a Harrison spinoff. I just wonder what would make that interesting. I'm not sure. The writers yeah, would have I, to do their job. And again, and again, I don't know either, but I, I, I can guarantee you this. If, if there were to be one, it's going to come out of some great idea that is born with the writers and uh, Jack would have to agree, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, you can't make assumptions. Um, and if that happens, great. But it's for sure not just a money grab. Like that just is right, troublesome. Right. There is an incredible scene, by the way, that is in episode eight. It got chopped up. And I really hope on the Blu-ray um, we have an opportunity to put these out there for fans. And, and uh, Sandy Bookstaver, when I asked him to do this, a lot of times when you do episodic shows as a director, you come in and you have to follow a pretty strict set of rules on like what the show is meant to feel like. And I was like, look, uh, originally I was going to direct all 10 and scheduling wise, that was just impossible. So I, I wanted a partner, somebody who would come in and do it with me, but I also didn't want to handcuff them. You don't want a, a director to show up and you say, this is how you have to shoot it. Right. Right. So, so we had extensive conversations at the, at the onset of it about the look and the feel. And it was a real collaboration. And he had this great idea to shoot in the opening of episode eight. It's actually the dream that Dexter is having of Harrison beating up the guys. Yeah. Right. I wanted to do it as a one one single shot. And it's so beautiful and operatic. We had to, ch- we, we ended up chopping it up with Dexter because, um, when we showed it to Showtime, I understand their note. They felt like we needed to be with Dexter. We left Dexter in, in the cliffhanger. They wanted the audience to come back with Dexter unconscious. And then we could go to his dream, but not to just open in a dream. But sure. I can't wait for fans to be able to see what Sandy actually shot because they created this beautiful ballet of a sequence. It is so good. And it's one single shot and it's brutal, much more yeah. brutal than what's in there. We wow. have to make it work. We have to chop it up a little bit. But uh, there's stuff like that that's just, I, I think, is going to make it fun down the road. And the show will have another life as people can dissect all the things that we weren't able to put in or keep in. Or just, like you said, you go back and you suddenly, it's like, oh, I, I can see that. I see mm-hmm. how that's fixed or that's answered. Um, and that's part of the fun. I just we just have to be patient now and let people vent and, until they can see it all. Of course. Oh, geez. I have one more question, I guess. But I feel like it would be a disservice if we don't talk about Jennifer Carpenter with oh, Deb yeah. coming back. And especially with you directing early season episodes. So, you know how there's Harry and now there's Deb. And when it comes to filming these scenes with scenes with Jennifer Carpenter versus having Harry be his conscience or, you know, his mind space, what was your thought process in in how you filmed slash gave notes to Jennifer about, you know, how you wanted them to go? Because obviously she was a way different type of conscience in his head than Harry was for him. Yeah, uh, this would take a real astute Dexter fan to catch. But when I say it and you go back, I think you'll see it. Harry was shot completely differently, right? Just shot differently. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he appeared, like he he wasn't popping in and out the way Deb does, right? right? He wasn't involved in the scenes. But you know, when I directed episode two of season two, I had the pleasure of saying goodbye to the ice truck killer. 
it's when Dexter releases him. Yes. Right? Let mm-hmm. go. Uh, and two things I held on to from that episode. The first was when we're at the funeral for Rita's husband, and it's it's not the funeral, the the, the wake, and it's the casket. No one's there. Closed, so yeah. And mm-hmm. no one's there except the four of them. Mm-hmm. Rita and the kids go up and go to the casket, and Dexter is left alone in the pew. He appears to Dexter exactly as Deb appears to him here. I shot it the same way. Okay. It's, it's not like Harry. He appears and he's there. Now he's talking as his brother, but it's his conscience, right? And um, he's sitting there. The camera slowly moves around and suddenly there he is. He's talking and he's out of focus. And then Dexter looks around. And back then, I obviously didn't know we were doing this, but I was like, I want this to feel different than Harry being in his head. Mm -hmm. This is his brother, but it's not his brother. It's his conscience talking to him. And he's trying to let go of his brother. And he's trying to let that out. So I very, I, I figured out how I wanted to execute him appearing and disappearing. If you go back and look, he's there, then he's not there, then he's yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And it's the same as Deb is there and not there and there. So they're siblings and they're both in his conscience. And I married those two things. And at the That's very amazing. end, at the very end, Dexter's on his boat and he's looking into the water and he leans in and his brother's hand comes up, shoots mm-hmm. out of the water. And grabs and, it. Yep. He grabs it and then he lets it go slowly. Same as the end of episode 10, right? When she's uh, holding on to him. Yeah. yeah, as he dies. Yeah. So, you know, these are things, again, and just to go to, so that fans understand there's a lot of thought that goes into that. It's not like willy-nilly. In terms of her character on the page, I loved her. I, like, you know, I understand people are like, she's annoying. She's this, she's that. But you, we needed Dexter to have a conscience to be like, I can't tell Harrison. Yes. This will ruin him. This will ruin him. And what better way than to do it with death, right? And like, of course. With that, with that character. So the, the shooting style, the way she appeared and disappeared, for me, was very deliberate in terms of uh, I wanted it to mirror the way his brother appeared in, in his mind back in episode two. I don't think anyone probably catches that unless, you know, I pointed out, but for me, it was important that 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 manifested itself in the same way, because um, you, you think about their their blood to him, right? Mm-hmm. There's that connection, and then and sure, Harry is too, but Harry was different. Harry was teaching him the code, and wasn't his conscience? It was like this. Uh, it's this driving. It's, like, it's his guidance. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It's his north star. This is what it has to be. This is how you do it. This is how you keep doing it, right? This is how you don't get caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go back and listen to what his, what the ice truck killer, God, what was his brother's name? Brian. Uh, Brian, thank yeah. you. Tip of my tongue. I was, I can't wait to say Chris. That's the actor. You go back and listen to what Brian's saying to him. Like Brian, again, is just like the voice of reason. He's the, he's telling him it's his conscience. Yep. And, um, so in terms of Jennifer and being on set and what, directing her, we played with the levels of anger. There were things that were scripted much harder that she felt she could do with less. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a look with just a, um, uh, a, a, a moment. Oh, uh, can you see that? 
<laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I, I, I'm, being, I'm being interrupted by a, a phone call, and I'm going to have to take in a second. Okay, uh-huh. yes, no problem. <laughs> but, That's um, amazing. We could join if you want us to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, would, I wouldn't do that to him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was fun to do and fun to play with on the day there were many times where i'm like this is too much it's too big right and then right I, I got into the cutting room and it was like oh it's, it's not too much it it, it works mm-hmm. uh, you know people some people like it some people don't but I, I think it was the right thing to do to bring her back in that way and again for fans who were like you what a waste you brought jennifer had a big say yeah in, yeah uh, in all of it she also felt like this gave closure to Dexter and to that relationship. And uh, I love at the end, it's not Dexter letting go of her. Uh, She lets go of him Mm -hmm. at at the very end. Those are, again, things we talk about when we're doing it. And um, I, I I feel really proud of, of how we executed those scenes. One of my favorite moments is at the opening of episode five where Dexter's looking at the blade and uh he he knows yes he knows that what's happening in, yep in, yeah and um and remember Deb is not a ghost she's in his brain she's him yeah and right it, yeah. It, it, it's the struggle it's the it's like dude, I I gotta say something fuck I can't say anything <laughs> I gotta, you know and uh and then how she gives him she yells at him scolds him and he's in pain and then it ends with just her embracing him. Uh, and it, it's weird as fuck when yeah. you dissect it, but, uh, powerful, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's very rare when I'm, I'm, I was there, I shot it, I directed it. And then I get to the cutting room and I put it together. And a week later, when I watch it back, I'm emotional. Yeah. You know, and then I know, Oh man, that works. It's working. Yeah. Well, anyone who says that it was a waste, would a hundred percent be saying it was a waste not having Deb in this show at all. Yeah. If you would have decided <laughs> not to include Jennifer Carpenter. So yeah. I thought it was perfect. And you could tell that she was, you know, Dexter's own mind, not a ghost. You could see how she changed throughout the seasons during certain situations where she's saying, you know, Oh, you know, you were supposed to not tell Harrison. Now you have to kill Kurt now it's it's threatening Harrison you have to kill Kurt like you could tell it's Dexter the entire time it has to be before we finish up here all I want to say is that a lot of the fan base it was almost 100% of the fan base hated if you want to say hate but did not like the end of season eight they did not like how it ended you know it was all over you know we hate this we hate that but I will say and there is a lot of other fans including Kathleen that season eight as much as people hated it it exists in canon and I'm glad it exists in canon so that we can have new blood because new blood was amazing. It was a perfect conclusion for Dexter, a perfect way to say goodbye to Dexter from a fan's point of view. You know, of course I've said it a million times. Everyone's going to miss Dexter. Everyone would love to see him again and again and again and again, but that's not how it works. You know, you would much rather have this conclusion and season eight, Going one through nine, I know that New Blood is its own series, but one through nine, if we count it that way, season eight's just part of the story, and season nine, or New Blood, is a perfect end of the story. Yep. I appreciate that. Well, that's 
totally fair. And if anything, we succeeded in having people who hated the end of season eight love the end of season eight. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. It's amazing. That's working some magic right there somehow. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally voodooed everybody into just believing they loved <laughs> and they hated for 10 years. There you go. You know? So, so funny. Well, Marcus, right, well, thank you again for coming yeah. on. Open invitation. <laughs> if you ever want to come on again yeah. for the podcast to talk more decks or to talk anything else you're working on, it's, it's been a pleasure. Cool, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm excited to just listen to your podcast. It was really fun when I discovered it. And um, like I said, you guys make not just the two of you, because I did listen to some of the other ones uh, out of curiosity. Some of the other shows I watch, I'm like, oh, and uh, all you guys do. Uh, it's fun because you're dissecting it. but uh, to be really honest, uh, sometimes I listen to these podcasts and I'm like, God, they're just, they're just mean spirited. Yeah. Like they just, yeah. Uh, and this is like, everything is fair. It's like, you're confused or you're not sure, but then there's always a, a yin and a yang, you know, mm -hmm. somebody's like, well, what if, but it could be this. And, uh, you know, as, as a creator and somebody who's on this side of things, we're easy targets. Uh, I, I really appreciate the, uh, the conversation because I think that's what makes it fun, right? It's the conversation. Yes. So you guys, do, you guys do a great job and I look forward to listening to more. Thank you so well, much. We that appreciate that. Yeah, yeah we, we love do. TV. We love, we love listening to you tell us the ins and outs of our favorite shows. I mean, mm -hmm. we respect and appreciate you guys put your life's work into this stuff. So cool. Thanks again. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to go return a phone call and uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure this will hope maybe it's a two, a two part. It's we've been on for two hours. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I could have won for a long time. I know. So. <laughs> Me too. Me I don't too. know how you, if you cut it up into one, but I'm looking forward to listening back and, um, and best of luck with everything. Great. You Thanks too. so Thanks, much. Marcos. Congratulations on this amazing right. season. All right, guys, that was part two of our chat with Marco Siega. We can't thank him enough for coming onto the pod, and he has an open invitation to come back whenever he wants to. If you guys like what you heard, please give Benchtown TV a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app, or we'd really appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking to support the pod, we now have a Patreon. You can find that on our website at BenchtownTV.com or Patreon.com slash TV. The link will also be in the description. Our Patreon has tons of exclusive content. We have two tiers, one tier, a couple dollars a month if you just want to support the pod, but the other tier is where all the exclusive content comes in. For $5 a month, you'll get exclusive Benchtown episodes, exclusive unedited celebrity interviews, including this interview right here with part one and part two with Marco Siega. You guys have full access to messages with us, plus much more. Once again, we are Benchtown TV, and thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.